Yo MTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code YO5 to get 5% off your next order. Yo MTG Taps is also sponsored by CardHoarder.com, our go-to source for Magic Online singles. Be sure to check out the Card Hoarder Loan Program, a flexible, affordable way to play many decks online. everybody and welcome to another episode of yo mtg taps i'm joey pasco and i'm big head joe and um this week smooth it's as all you like. pioneer what's that <laughs> as smooth as you like <laughs> sure sure <laughs> <laughs> um this week it's it's all pioneer i think do we have anything other than pioneer to talk about i mean i'll probably throw a thing or two in about standard or maybe draft but mostly pioneer yeah, I mean that's kind of what we've we've been. N- not only you and I have been kind of playing, but kind of everybody that plays Magic that's interested in you know competitive Magic has been paying attention to Pioneer because we had two huge Pioneer tournaments, not Pro Tours, but Players Tours. So you know, technically a PT. Uh, uh, over the weekend, we had Brussels and Nagoya, so we're gonna look at the meta game from that and kind of just. PT and PT, like Pete and Pete. Uh, that's to be the name of the episode. But anyway, Pete and Pete. <laughs> Man, we just have lots of great names for this episode before we've even recorded. So I guess we'll have to uh, see what we end up with at the end. <laughs> just put or or AKA between every one and just use all of them. I could do that or just release it with a different title on different platforms. That just would not everybody. be confusing at all. No. Um, so so uh, I guess let's just jump right in. Um, the... The big, uh, the big topic of the Pioneer format right now is the uh, the Demir Inverter of Truth deck. It kind yeah. of broke out. Um, first time I heard of it was about a week and a half ago. It was last weekend, so the weekend before Brussels and Nagoya. Someone I was in like a blue white chat actually. Les Alex, uh, the Control Freak podcast. Shout out to Alex. Um, uh, has a Discord, and I was in his Discord server on a Pioneer chat room and somebody said what do we do about the inverter deck and i'm like what's that you know and oh. i think a couple people were like what's that and nobody answered and i kind of looked it up um on on mtg goldfish and found a list and it was one list i was like find me a deck that has inverter of truth in it and one list came up <laughs> so i'm like all right so this is definitely not a known deck what you know oh. whatever this is so i kind of took a look at it it was you know Blue black control, and uh, and playing this Demir, uh, or playing this Inverter of Truth combo. So, if for some reason you haven't heard about it, which if you haven't been paying attention over the past like several days, you might not have. Um, True. The the basic construction of this deck is it's a blue black control deck that has a combo element thrown in with the card Inverter of Truth and Thassa's Oracle and or Jace Wielder of Mysteries. So kind of like the Lab Maniac combo. If any of you are familiar with Lab Maniac, it's uh, th- that win condition where if you go to draw a card and there are no cards left in your library, instead of losing, you win. Uh, Inverter of Truth takes your entire library, exiles it, and then whatever was in your graveyard becomes your library. So if you have a very small graveyard or nothing in your graveyard, you've already... You know, you're already good with uh, not having any cards left in your library. So if you have something like Jace Wielder of Mysteries in play, you win next time you try to draw a card. And uh, Or if you have a Thassa's Oracle in hand and cast it when you have no cards left in your library or technically two cards left in your library, right? Um, you, can have, you can still have two cards left because when you activate the Oracle... Uh, is it, that's how it works, right? Because the, the Oracle so, uh, when lets you, can, you... When, you, when it enters the battlefield, uh, you look at the top X cards of your library where X is your devotion to blue. 
you put one on top, the rest on the bottom, and then if X is less than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. Is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library. Right. X if, is so X if X being greater two, than yes thank yeah. you thank you greater than so, or equal to that would yeah that would be <laughs> okay so so uh, the rest on the bottom so basically if you have two cards you put one on the bottom and one on the top and X is greater than or equal to because if you have Thassa's Oracle in play that's two devotion to blue so two cards will win you the game yes, so you don't have to have a completely empty library right and it's pretty neat that jace adds three devotion to that too so if you're right. running jace you actually have a you know you can do it with even with five cards in your library which is pretty cool but i will say this i had eight cards when we were playing just now i had eight yeah. cards left in my library um i cast the the oracle and uh i had five devotion right and I was like, okay, so blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, oh, all I do is just draw the one card and then cat. Nope, you don't draw the card. <laughs> so right. I was like, then I'll, I'll look really foolish having played two oracles and I have eight cards and seven loyal or seven uh, devotion. I was like, Ugh. so uh, yeah, you need, it doesn't, you don't, you don't draw a card off of yeah. the oracle is what I'm saying. So I, right. it, I, I took me a second. I had to play the, the deck to actually realize that. I was like, oh, okay. So. <laughs> It's yeah, neat so- though. Okay, let me tell you something. Like, so I, you know how it goes these days. A deck does well, and then everybody talks about banning it. That's what happens, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I was like, yeah, they should ban Inverter of Truth. But let me tell you something, Joey. I love this deck. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love this deck. I love like weird you know i love weird win conditions you know what i mean like you know i love that um i love this um i think this is really strange and it's just it's different i don't know something about it i really like it uh playing the deck felt really good um it feels really strong there are like more avenues to winning than you think Mm -hmm. you know but it has one major weak spot which is if you figure out a way to get rid of Inverter of Truth before it ever hits the battlefield, they're probably not winning at all. Um, I mean, you've got to go to plan, plan B at that point, which I, I saw that happen on camera for one of the – I can't remember if it was Nagoya or Brussels. I want to say it was probably Brussels because that's the event I saw the most coverage of. But yeah. Mono Black, Mono Black Aggro in, uh, resolved – um, is it infinite obliteration or no lost legacy? Similar concept where you, you right. basically name a card and get rid of it out of the opposing deck. So they dealt with inverter that way, and I was like, okay, let's see what happens. And the inverter deck played Kalidus and won the game <laughs> because Kalidus is a house. Yeah, it's also down. a magic card. But Fair yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you got Sometimes you got to do that. But yeah, I mean, uh, but if you have a way to deal with inverter, I mean, like, yeah. Again, Lost Legacy, uh, I'm not going to lie, I ordered a playset of Lost Legacies, another playset of Foil Lost Legacies, um, a playset of the in bl- Obliteration or whatever, a playset of <laughs> Slaughter uh, uh, slaughter Games, yeah. and a uh, playset of Despises this weekend uh, in anticipation of having to play this deck. <laughs> so um, the playset of Foil Lost Legacies was just honestly like a hashtag MTG finance thing. I was like... Probably, you know, I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like a terrible idea. I mean, if if people are going to be playing it, then it's going to see more, you know, a value increase. It's kind of just obvious uh, supply and demand stuff. So mm-hmm. you're likely to be able to t- turn those around to get a little more value out of them, at least a little more. Um, so, you know, good call. Yeah, um, and, and uh, another thing is th- I, we are likely to get a little more value out of them because – you know, I was kind of like, oh, they're probably going to ban something on Monday. Nope, they didn't. They didn't ban anything, so nothing's getting banned. We're going to have these decks. Uh, there's another deck to talk about, too. But we're going to have all of the decks that seem kind of odd and, I don't know, weird for Pioneer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, we're going to see them next weekend in Phoenix, too. Right. So uh, they're not going anywhere. So, yeah. Probably not yes. a bad investment since they didn't actually ban anything. <laughs> so. Yeah, at least for the next for the next week, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, right. for the next six days, it's Tuesday. Fully. So, um, so the the other thing about this deck, or at least what a lot of people are comparing it to, of course, is Splinter Twin. Um, basically, any two card combo that wins the game 
gets the name Splinter Twin now, uh, which I understand the the comparison because if you have inverter into Thassa's Oracle, it's a lot like a Splinter Twin kind of thing. But the thing about this is it's all sorcery speed. You're not casting anything, you know, end of turn Pestermite on turn three, play a land, play Splinter Twin on turn four and win the game. That's not how it works. Um, you have to resolve two sorcery speed spells on your turn. If you want to win on the same turn, you have to have a lot of setup, uh, and you need six mana, right? So, like, oh, oh no, a deck that wins on turn six. Like, <laughs> is, is that a problem? You right. know, like, you, you really need to set things up. Now, it's a really powerful deck. I'm certainly not uh, saying that it's not powerful, and I'm also not saying that it's not possible for it to be affected by some sort of banning at some point. Um, but it, you know... Oh, I think we all need to kind of take a take a breath and say, hold on, let's let's see what happens. This deck has been a known quantity for like a week. Um, the, the person who popularized it, by the way, Canister, uh, took the list. I guess some people must have been it must have gotten some buzz, but the person who really put it out there was Canister. Took a list, built the Demir version that um, that I believe he played. Well, I know he played Demir. I don't know how close his original version was. To the version he took to uh, to Brussels, but he came in second place at Brussels with this deck. So, um, you know, no secrets. He just put his deck out there and said, "This is this is what I'm playing." You know, I'm not trying to surprise anybody. Here's what I'm playing, and and you know, you see how good of a player he is. He uh, secrecy not an important part of his game. Um, so that's that's pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, the the deck to me. There's two ways you can go. Like, you can kind of look at it and say, this deck can only get better because, hey, we're in the early days of it. It's already solid at this point. Can you imagine how it looks after being iterated on by hundreds, thousands of players over the course of the next few weeks? Um, Or you can look at it and say, the format can adjust to it somehow, and the deck might be knocked back down to, you know, tier 1.5 or something like that. So, uh, It'll be really interesting to see where where things go from here. It seems like the best the decks that have the best matchups against it are decks that can apply a lot of pressure. Um, now you've only played what that one match with this deck so far, right, Joe? I played I played against it once, and I played I, I mean uh, like last week, mm-hmm. um, and then I played against you that one match. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so you were playing piloting the deck, so. Right. Right. You've played one match piloting the deck. That was just this morning. I've yet to pilot it myself. Um, but you, uh, what was your feeling? So you, I was playing mono black aggro. So I was trying to be the deck that has a lot of pressure plus disruption, which feels to me like the recipe to to beat this deck. Spoilers: I didn't. I lost. <laughs> but I, you know, I didn't have enough pressure or disruption. It, you know, Joe was able to to handle it. So. You know that's extremely as small of a sample size as you can possibly get <laughs> one match. But and I, I yeah. think well, first of all, I think Graft Digger's Cage gets way better after this weekend. Like um, because Graft Digger's Cage not only um, stops the uh, the Underworld Breach deck. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what is it called? Is that what it's called? Underworld, yep, Underworld Breach. Breach. Okay. Yep. Not only does it like stop that deck dead in its tracks, mm-hmm. uh, but it also has really good play against Mono Black, which I was just like, wow. I was I don't know. I was just surprised uh, at how good that card was against an aggro deck. It just didn't seem right. Right. <laughs> but uh, all those creatures in Mono Black are depending on being able to come back after a board wipe. And uh, Yeah. And that's the big thing with Mono Black. Like, that's the huge strength of it. It's not just like, hey, here's a bunch of one and two drops that attack um, like Mono Red has. You know, it's like you deal with these, but you better exile them because right. otherwise they're they're going to be able to come back. So it's a lot of card advantage built in. You're like, you know, yeah, I have a, a 2-1. You deal with it. I still have that same 2-1. I'm getting it out of the graveyard. You know, I, I draw that card out of the graveyard, essentially. So the, the thing with the list that I was playing, um, I haven't done a, like, intense comparison between the nuances of the different mono black lists but the so the, the cards that you shut off when you played Grafdigger's Cage were Bloodsoaked Champion and um, Scrap Heap Scrounger right and the, the card that you didn't shut off was Gutter Bones because that goes right. back to my hand right but I never really had a window where that seemed like the better play like I always had 
something better to do on my turn. So that to me, I was like, okay, well, I know the gutter bones is an option if I need it, but uh, but I had other other things going on. Um, still didn't win the game, but I don't think a, a gutter bones would have <laughs> would have helped me too much. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah well, Cage was was making it really difficult. It was, and I was just surprised at how good that was. Um, but also, the one thing I noticed was that um, I had uh, Jace out because I had a, a surplus of Jace's. Jace, uh, I almost called you Jace. Um, <laughs> Joey, uh, so thoughts or what Duress, was that card called? No, it wasn't. It was oh, uh, oh, it was agonizing memories. I think that one. Yeah, he agonizing memories me, and I was like, you got a tough choice. It was Jace or Jace, and I had a Jace out, so I was like, okay. Um, but what I realized was I should have been – once I stuck that cage, I should have been milling you every turn because then when I finally got to my inverter, I still had 16 cards in my library because I kept yeah. milling myself. And I was like, wait a minute. Hold up. That's not what's supposed to happen here. And, like, of course, like, you, you took a dig through time maybe that game. I don't know if it was that game or not. I think it was the I, previous game. No, that was the previous game. But then, I, but I had dig through time in my graveyard, so I wasn't drawing dig through time. So filling my graveyard wasn't doing anything for me other than making it harder to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, so if I stick this cage, then I can just go to town on uh, on your library until um, until I can get an inverter and then – use the jace to start milling yourself yeah and um, also like you still get to draw a card it's not like the person who gets milled right. gets to draw a card so you're right. like you know two cards in my graveyard and you draw a card that was the problem for me was i'm like you've got this jace there you've got another two jaces in hand well one that card is called agonizing remorse by the way not agonizing ah. memories it's a different magic card it is. um but yeah whatever it's it's take a non non-land card for two mana and uh you can also exile a card from someone's graveyard, so it's either the oh, hand that's or the right. graveyard. It is. You can do graveyard too. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I, you know, I I boarded it in, assuming that I just want a lot of disruption for your hand. So I boarded out, you know, all the all the removal other than murderous rider. Um, so you know, no fatal push, no grasp of darkness, um, and I boarded in a bunch of like duress and agonizing remorse, figuring that was useful, but. Um, you know, so you had the Jace. That's where I'm get, getting back to that. Um, you had a backup Jace in your hand. So I'm like, there's no reason I should kill this Jace. I just need to keep it off of ultimate, you know, like right. uh, because that's just going to even if you don't win the game on the spot, you're drawing seven cards. <laughs> so I'm like, this is the problem. You just keep drawing cards. I'm like, well, if he's going to draw seven cards off Jace, I'd rather it be one card a turn. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, exactly. So I was just trying to uh, keep you off of off of that, and um, and also you know pressure your life total as much as possible. But you just had answers for everything. Every time I uh, even got a couple of creatures on board, um, you had like languish or or whatever. So it just wasn't happening. But again, small sample size. I do think that these aggressive decks are the best option for people to if you want to go like basically get under the. Uh, the inverter deck just to put enough pressure on so the game i won because it was it was two one i did win a game i was just like uh i had one i kept a one lander but i had two one drops in my hand so i'm like i'm gonna try it you know <laughs> i've got a couple couple turns to um to draw my second land and let me just go and try this and i did you know i you apparently got flooded that game but it was it was all those one drops just putting on so much pressure that i think even if you hadn't scooped because i think you you conceded a little early but uh i think you were dead within two turns or something um so it was it was like the one drops it was that aggression that made the difference and i think i duressed you that's what it was i i duressed you or thought seized you and i took your dig through time and that it was like you had dig jace and lands or something and i was like okay or you might have had oracle or something so maybe ah, whatever um not enough to win yeah, it was not enough to win. So I took your dig and kept you from um, from being able to stabilize and won. So I, that's what I think is the best plan against this deck. And the, the red decks, the very aggressive red decks, are also I think potential. But they don't have the they don't have the hand disruption, which I think is a point in mono black's favor. Um, but I still think they have they might have even more pressure. So maybe it's like you know, fine. This instead of stealing something from your hand. I'm doing the last few points of damage to you instead with a with a shock or something, right? A wild slash or lightning strike. So um, it is certainly uh, something that that can be beaten with those aggressive strategies. But I think mid range decks are just not. Uh, 
I, I don't know that they can beat inverter decks. Like I, I don't know. We're gonna have to see some innovation for anything mid range to be able to beat these decks because all the inverter deck needs to do is just like survive for a little bit of time, and if nobody nobody strips the like the inverter from their from their deck with something like Lost Legacy or something, um, you're eventually you're gonna find it and resolve it. You know, you're gonna cast your thoughtsies to make sure the coast is clear and then win the game. So yeah. And the 6-6 six, six flyer isn't bad either. <laughs> no, because that's what I realized. I was like, I have 16 cards in my library. I was like, oh, but I can beat down with this. I mean, of course, Joey had a removal spell for it. But, you know, if he didn't, it was a three-turn clock. Right. You know what I mean? And I was like, okay, well, uh, that's, that's another way to win, I guess. It is still 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. Um, and it was off the top, by the way. I was like, I just need, like, the only thing I can deal with this is, like, a swift end. And I drew swift end. I had no cards in my hand. Nice. <laughs> so I was like, nice. all right. I drew it. Now what do I do? Uh, so I sat there making sure that that was the best, the the timing of it. But it d- didn't matter. I still lost that game. Um, so moving on from uh, the specifics of, of this deck, it looks like it was also the most popular deck of the weekend. Um, I've got stats here. Out of the 193 players at Nagoya, 19% registered Inverter of Truth. And uh, 12% of the players at Brussels um, were played inverter and i think uh the second it, it seemed like the top three in both or at least the top two were inverter and mono black aggro so i guess it's fitting that joe and i were playing that matchup this morning um mono black aggro had kind of a, a similar percentage to the metagame in both nagoya and brussels at like 13 percent um so this is this is according to hipsters of the coast which if you don't know too much like hipsters of the coast is like another magic website that you may have heard of you may not have but sign up for their mailing list because it's really the only magic mailing list that i subscribe to but i really like the um the content this is of course off topic shout out to hipsters of the coast but um they send out like a kind of like a weekly newsletter thing, and it's got some great information in it just in that uh, in that little newsletter format. So I just highly recommend it. Um, cool, maybe I will. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say I don't think you have it, but this is where this this quote on our I have it in our show notes. Um, I just copy pasted it right out of their newsletter, um, so it was good good information. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's one of the more popular decks because it's kind of new and strong, and I think a lot of good players are playing, um, are thinking you know this is a deck where they can leverage their skill as well. Um, but I do think it's a beatable deck right now. Um, I think I know, I know we kind of talked about this a little bit in our Discord chat. Shout out to our patrons in the Discord. Uh, I think. If they ban something, I'm almost thinking Dig Through Time might be the card that they should hit. Because the thing about Dig Through Time, even though I love playing it myself and I'm kind of loath to say I want to uh, see it gone from the format, is it's completely fair in like the control decks, in the in like blue-white control. Like it's it's fine. It's a card advantage spell. Um and great card selection tool. I'm not saying it's not powerful. It is. But that's not where it's the problem. The problem is in these kind of combo decks where you can find the combo pieces. You dig seven deep and find the combo pieces uh, so easily. It just makes it too – makes these combos too consistent. And so I'm thinking that um, – that that might be the first card that they hit. I'm sure it's already, you know, kind of at the top of the watch list for for being banned in Pioneer. And so – uh, and Wizards, I think, likes to have, like, decks still stick around while just weakening them, you know, not just completely destroying them. They, if they ban Inverter, this deck is gone. Obviously, nobody's playing this deck. Right. It's going to have to go completely in a completely different direction to if you want to win with Thassa's Oracle and Jace Wielder of Mysteries. It, um, you make me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> because here's the thing. Look, I agree with you. I think that I think that Dig Through Time is a really powerful card and probably shouldn't be in this format. But I love the logic of, I mean, my innocent deck that draws seven off of the thing is fine. Like, it, <laughs> I don't know. I don't it know. Is. It made me laugh. Like, no, it's not. The card's unfair. The card's busted. Like, it's not any better for your deck. Your combo piece is to fairy plus patience you know what i mean like if it digs you to a teferi to win the game seven deep in your library that's just the same thing as draw as digging for an inverter um but i, I love i just love it I don't know, it just makes me laugh um 
Like, oh yeah, no, it's fine again. It's fine for my deck. But well, for the I'm deck, not the only one who like. says that either. It's I mean, unfair. I know, no, I'm not saying you personally. I'm saying, look, I'm just further digging into my theory that our opinions are based on our own self-interest. And I'm of not, course, I'm not yeah. dissing you. I'm not dissing you at all. It just cracks me up, and I just, I just love like the fact how of how I feel like I've just. I've seen through the Matrix or something. You know what I mean? Well, like, I guess my other well, – the point in my favor with this is that Wizards clearly thinks it's fine in blue-white control decks because blue-white control is not a brand new deck. And they were like, this is fine in blue-white since end of October when they announced Pioneer all the way now till beginning of February. We've had dig-through time in blue-white control. There's not been a time when that hasn't been available and Wizards oh, yeah, is no, fine I, with it. So they're like, hey, it's fine in this deck. Let's I think make sure – you know. No, I know I agree with you, but I think that the problem is once it starts becoming the cornerstone of like every deck. This is just like um, Copter mm-hmm. in this format was like every like every deck started out like every aggressive deck started out with four X Copter and then you know and then other slots. You know what I mean? Like if all the like combo decks and control decks are starting out four X Dig, although some of them don't run four whole copies. Um, you know, then obviously, then that is becoming the card that's enabling like half the format, and you know maybe you make a change there. Um, but I don't know. I, apparently, yeah, again, apparently they they want these decks around because they didn't do anything to uh, yesterday. Well, it's, and I'm it's, cool. I with think that. it's too early too. That's that's another uh, thing. Know, We've had one weekend really of of results, so kind of feel like Wizards is giving us a chance to really see what you know what the format can do to it. They do have we have. Um, Players Tour Phoenix coming up this weekend. So I think that's going to be the real test for this yeah. this deck. And really, like, let's see. Everybody knows about it. So it's going to get hard targeted. And if it mm-hmm. still shows up in high numbers and has uh, a great success and people really can't beat it, then, you know, let's see what we're talking about a week from now or maybe even two weeks from now. You know, maybe they give us a little more time. I, I, don't, I don't think they're yeah. going to be just quick to to ban something like this well, quickly to be completely honest i didn't even realize that there was a new pro, uh there, there was another player's tour coming up this weekend you know what i mean like i in my <laughs> brain i was like okay well this was the player's tour weekend and you know this is the results not okay and but it makes a lot of sense to not do anything this week it's like okay you see where the format's at there are a couple decks that have popped up Next weekend is another player's tour. You know what I mean? And right. we'll see how they respond to it on that level. It's not – it's an instant instant data on the highest level – in the highest level of play, which right. I think is cool. You know what I mean? Like I think – like knowing that, which I honestly – again, I honestly just didn't realize there was a third player's tour coming up next – this weekend. You know, knowing that. It makes a lot of sense to not ban anything and then go, okay, how do the top players in the world respond to it, you know, the following weekend? We right. get that instant data, and I think that's really good. And, uh, yeah, and if they, and they will respond to it. It's not like they're going to go, what? Inverter of truth? How dare you? You know what I mean? Like, they know. <laughs> at, at this point, it's like, it's like obvious, you know? So... Um, they also get all the data from a, you know a week to ten days worth of MTGO true. leagues and and tournaments, yeah. mm-hmm. and they've also got uh, the data from uh, SCG Richmond, right? I think it was they were just in Richmond this past weekend. It was a team tournament, so it was standard Pioneer and Modern. But um, I, I haven't looked deep at those results, and of course, team tournaments have kind of skewed data because the standard and Modern players could win every match, and the the Pioneer player. Playing inverter could have lost every match, but it doesn't matter because they end up, you know, winning the entire event because the other two uh, players carry the carry the team. So you can have skewed data from that, but just as another source of okay, how how many players are playing this deck? How what are the records? I'm sure they've got somebody looking much more closely at at the results of the Pioneer seat in Richmond. So um, they've got that as another high level event, um, right? So I, I don't know. I think it's definitely wise that they didn't do anything yesterday, and I think next I Monday will be the day where I'm going. And I'm curious how how we're all going to feel like next Sunday night, Monday morning. Are people going to be more convinced that something needs to be banned, or are people going to be more convinced that hey, maybe this is okay for the format? Only one um, way to find out. 
see what the results look like. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and here just a last note on specifically Inverter and and Thassa or Thassa's Oracle. Um, oh man, I, I can't remember the name of the player, and I should have put it in front of me. And I think I'll if I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, somebody played basically mono blue devotion in Nagoya, uh, splashing black for Inverter of Truths, and of course right. Thassa's Oracles in the deck. And I'm like, this deck looks so cool because it it <laughs> it's like pressure plus that combo right so you're you've got this mono blue devotion deck with um nykthos and you know that kind of element to it where you're putting a ton of devotion permanence onto the board and you've got that game plan and then out of nowhere you're like oh yeah tap my drowned catacombed and and uh and watery grave and two islands and uh here here's inverter of truth and your opponent's like what right like (laughs) Now I have to deal with a six six, and also you, you know, cast Thassa's Oracle and win the game that way. I don't know. I thought it was another way of looking at it of, of this combo because really the combo is Inverter and Thassa. Jace helps out too as kind of like the the uh, supporting cast there. But the rest of the deck really is sort of up to you. Um, you can put it in an aggressive shell or more of a mid rangey devotion shell like this, or you can put it in the blue black control shell, which is the one that is doing the most damage in terms of the the combo. I think uh, that's the one. I mean, like, because I looked at that other, because I was like, I'm definitely going to play him with, with some sort of inverter deck because, mm-hmm. you know, I just felt like it was relevant mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was interested to see it from the other side. Uh, but I was like looking at, because I looked at the Nagoya results mm-hmm. and that's what I was um, interested in, in pulling my list from. And, and I saw the one with the devotion shell and I saw the one with the blue black and I was like, nah, you know what? You really need that disruption too. You know, like you really yeah. do need, although admittedly I boarded out my thought seasons against you just cause they're not great against aggro and thought seasons are great against like scrap heap scrounger. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like, I think that the other deck is way better. Mm. Um, I like the fact that there is a, mono blue devotion deck pop it up and that one even had um what do you call it in it um nykthos which i was like okay okay yeah i can see i can see that in gadwick gadwick and nykthos all right we're i mean we're cooking with gas don't get me wrong sure but um you know down here in texas we prefer the propane but um (laughs) i don't even know what you mean uh king of the hill anyway oh yes watch more tv um it's fair point (laughs) (laughs) uh but no i think i think that the 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 blue black is really where that deck wants to be i think that the mono blue devotion deck was a cool cool attempt (laughs) but i think blue black control with the disruption and counter magic is really where you want to be i I think so too but uh but i thought it was really cool to to see it from a different angle or just just to include it in another kind of strategy yeah oh Um, for sure and, and one more thing to point out the Something I was thinking about, I'm like, okay, how difficult is this deck to beat? And I thought, well, blue-black control was not really a deck in the format. Like, it, I mean, I'm sure people were playing it, but it was not a popular deck. It wasn't having success. Like, if you wanted to play control in Pioneer, you're playing blue-white in most cases. You may play Esper, but, uh, you know, that may have less of a metagame share than blue-black. Um you know, I, it's not like I never saw it, but I think I may have seen it once, like somebody playing blue-black control with like a bunch of Dragonlord Silumgar, which was cool, right? Like you're going to steal my best permanent with your Dragonlord, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like that That was cool. But it really wasn't a strong deck. Now you throw Inverter and Thassa's Oracle in there and you say, OK, well, now you've got a really uh, powerful way to win and that makes the deck super powerful. But really at its heart, it's a blue-black control deck and that's a – that. I guess has been a beatable deck in Pioneer. So I, I don't know. This is kind of a way I was thinking about it earlier, where you know blue black control wasn't necessarily s- strong. So maybe this deck is not the powerhouse like it that it seems, just because it has that combo and it doesn't make it suddenly a completely different deck. You know, I mean, take out the inverter, take out the the Thassa's Oracle, and I guess take out the Jace. And what's what's in those slots like? a couple other win conditions, right? It's still the, it's the same deck otherwise. Um, so just just a thought. Yeah. Um, one of the other deck... Oh, I know what I was going to say. Another. We talked about how aggro decks could beat it. 
if you want to see how a blue-white control deck might beat this deck, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link it in the show notes, but Skura, who I've mentioned repeatedly over the last few episodes, uh, Islands in Front on Twitter, Philip Skornicki is his name, um, has been playing this blue-white Thirst deck and it's it's kind of uh it's his design and it's a it's a blue white control deck in pioneer based around thirst for meaning and i've been playing it and i love it this is like the blue white deck that i've been playing most and i i love kind of the idea behind it you get thirst for meaning you get omen of the sea uh you play cards like seal away which is great removal already in the format uh, but you play four copies because you have thirst for meaning in the deck um you have a couple copies of silk wrap uh and then, you, you know, you play multiple copies of Cast Out because before a lot of the blue-white decks played maybe one to two, to two copies. Now you play three because, hey, it's an enchantment. You can discard to Thirst for Meaning. Um, yep. So, I mean, it's not a huge departure from blue-white control on the whole. But for Pioneer, like, it's shifted in this direction towards playing more enchantment-based removal and and weigh basically everything at instant speed. So, like, looking at this deck, I've got it in front of me, and I'll link it in the show notes. Silk Wrap is sorcery speed. Um, two copies of Teferi Time Raveler, which are in the flex slots, believe it or not. Those are not the, like, core of the deck, but he is playing two copies of it now um, in the deck, but he wasn't at first. I think he had cut it to try to play something that was more instant speed. He was playing the, the white omen, omen of the sun, uh, but he cut that. That was, again, a flex slot. I think it was kind of like, let's see how this does. But, uh, yeah, so you get two copies of Silk Wrap, two copies of Teferi Time Raveler, um, three copies of Teferi Hero of Dominaria, and that's it. That's the on- Those are the only sorcery speed spells in deck. Oh, Supreme Verdict. Sorry. Forget about that one. Uh, those are the only sorcery sp- speed cards in the deck everything else is instant speed you get omen of the sea you get seal away you get counter spells you get your removal spells in uh in seal away and and cast out and settle the wreckage like all all this stuff uh it can always play during your opponent's turn and it's great when you're able to like for five mana so you, you know you've got five and leave up counter magic and end of turn they don't do anything so you flash in omen of the sea scry draw a card then use the other three to crack the omen so you know there's like always something to do with your mana and it's such a fun deck uh it has dream dream trawler in the sideboard which has become like a staple for blue white and pioneer now which i love um if you're interested at all in playing blue white control I know I've said this in the past about Skura's deck, but I am <laughs> I'm a disciple of Skura, I guess, especially for Pioneer, and I loved his build <laughs> pre-Theros, and I love this new direction of the deck. Um, and he uh, he was in the, the one of the deck dumps from um, MTGO because he 5-0'd a couple of leagues with it. So it's a deck. Uh, I don't know how many people are playing it, but I know he is, and he's putting video content out there, so I'll, I'll link that in the show notes. He plays against the Inverter deck in a league, and his, um, his game plan essentially is they may have all this hand disruption, but so much other than Digger Through Time, there's not a lot of card advantage in that deck. Um, right. It's a lot of one-for-one, one. and so he was like, that's fine. We have more card advantage. We're going to out-card them. And you watch, and he does, and wins wins the match. He wins two one, but he loses game one because, of course, that's the the uh, game where he, his deck is just not as set up to to deal with it. He's got so many dead cards, you know, the seal away and the silk wrap, all things like that. So um, he's uh, he's able to win both games two and three. And I'm sure it's not an easy matchup. I'm not saying like, oh hey, play this, you'll beat it. it but it is a way that you can beat the inverter deck with blue white control. And I think uh, I think it's absolutely worth watching. Uh, watching the video to see how Skura does it. So, yeah. Um, how about you? What, what have you have you been playing anything other than? Uh, well, I know you played the Inverter deck this morning. What were you playing last week? You said you played against the Inverter deck. Um, yeah, I was playing. Uh, what was I even playing? I think it was some sort of uh, Rakdos. Because I, so I I like the chunky red deck, and I this is next on the list here. Um, but I was playing some different versions of the uh, Chunky Red deck. Um, and a lot of them, I think at least two of the three uh, splashed black. And I actually really like that. Like, I'm really, like, interested in the the red-black. Uh, like, the Chunky Rakdos is kind of where I'm at right now. 
Um, I'm trying to find these lists, but uh, yeah, Chunky Red was the deck. If you you know you go back two weeks to our last episode, that was the deck that I was having the most fun with, the most success with, and I still really like Red right now. Uh, but these mid range bigger decks are getting eaten up because of decks like Niv to Light. Uh, that Niv deck is just the mid range deck of all mid range decks. Like it leans more control, but um, but really that deck I think is just eating a lot, eating the chunky red decks alive. So I, I, as more and more Niv decks show up, the the chunky red decks fall out of favor, and I think uh, Demir Inverter makes it even worse. So like you're just too slow. You're given given those decks too much time to set up, and it's not. Uh, it's not the same format it was a few weeks ago. And so Chonky Red right now needs to slim down. And I think the quote that uh, <laughs> somebody on coverage said, Scrawny Red. So I'm like, okay, I like it, Scrawny Red. And um, actually we had somebody oh, – what was his name? Of course, I, I don't know it off the top of my head. But the uh, he made top eight. I'm, I'm going to find it right now. Made top eight with a mono red aggro. Jose Lopez. Oh, this last one? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I got it here. Yeah, of course my... Uh, JJ Rodriguez Lopez. Okay. Yeah, so that deck, um, it's just like mono-red aggro, and uh, it's a version of red that I think that's the direction these red decks need to go in, and I think everybody kind of agrees. It it needs to slim down and be able to be a lot more aggressive and less uh, glory bringer-centric. But you do see uh, cards like Torbrand, Cylind deck, because that deck, that card is super aggressive. It, that has to be the top end. But being able to, you know, lead with a bunch of one drops, uh, and then just follow it up with a Torbrand, you're like, yeah, it's a, it's a four mana card in a, a really aggressive red deck. But it makes all my other cheap creatures into game ending threats. You know, um, right? So I, I really like that. That's kind of like. You can call it, I think I wrote it here, as the evolution of Chonky Red. It's not really an evolution. It's just kind of like you need to you need to slim down. If you want to play aggressive red decks, you need to – or if you want to play red, you, you need to go in a more aggressive uh, direction right now. But I think that's kind of the beauty of, of playing a deck like Chonky Red was that it can. It, it's not so chonky anymore with – you've cut the Glory Bringers and you cut some number of Chandras and no Ember Cleave and um, although Ember Cleave – usually costs only two mana if you if you you know <laughs> if it works out right but you know you cut cards like goblin rabble master and uh because this format just has too many too many blockers for all those one ones and um it's just not as good anymore but you play cards like abbot of carol keep and uh and eidolon of the great revel is now seeing more play and you're seeing the the red decks playing not only soul scar mage but you're seeing Monastery Swift Spear on turn one and Bomat Courier. So, you know. Let me tell you. Go ahead. Eidolon of the Great Revel seems pretty good against Underworld Breach as well. Yeah, that's a deck we haven't we haven't talked about. I know you, you mentioned it. And um, did you have something you wanted to, to talk about it? Because you just, you know, you kind of mentioned it, but. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's busted. <laughs> right. Um, I think, like, you know, I think Field of Ruin is a good deal with that um i I mean you can't uh, hit lotus field because it's hexproof (laughs) oh my god it's hexproof (laughs) yeah it's that's kind of what's crazy about it well i mean you are you are sacrificing two other lands i don't care hexproof enters the battlefield tapped and you sacrifice two lands so yeah field of ruin is only good against thespian stage before they've been able to copy the lotus field like that's where field of ruin does oh my god do something because (laughs) because they play something like thespian stage and you're like you know they obviously intend to copy lotus field with it so if you can get that you know you have a window to hit it before it becomes a lotus field uh thespian stage is a land wow. that copies another land becomes a copy of i didn't even land. realize that i haven't played against the deck yet yeah no the first thing you think of is you're like oh yeah i'm gonna just destroy their lotus field easy peasy and you're like all right this is a new I this is the can't. new field of the dead problem it's time to <laughs> time to deal with it time to deal with it i don't care about percentages Stop printing fields unless they Stop. destroy other lands <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have what's that card? The Shadow Spear, is that right? Shadow Spear, yeah. It probably, oh, yeah. It, you know, it makes uh, permanence lose hexproof. At least I hope it says permanence. I'm like questioning myself I now. I almost guarantee it doesn't because we want it to. Shadow Spear, let's bring it I up. I did it. 
Uh, okay, permanence, uh, your opponents control lose hexproof. Yeah, yeah. I, I was so pretty they, sure that was right, but I did start to doubt myself because, of course, it would say something like creatures or something, and you'd go, great, that's right. still not helpful. Non-creature enchantments. Are you, what? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, no, I think the Shadow Spear actually is, is good because it loses mm. lose hexproof and indestructible. That is actually good against non or against creature enchantments that are gods that's kind of where i was going that's with that true but it's good against yeah. the, the, the indestructible <laughs> gods that's kind of where i was headed there yeah. but um, yeah i don't know lotus field is is a deck that uh to me before this inverter deck kind of took the center stage i was a little uh it was kind of the top of my list as far as a deck that is annoying to play against and i don't know if it was too powerful this is pre theros as I, this is before underworld breach i think dude i'm going to say it I think they should ban Underworld Breach. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you can't be the only person saying that. I think right now Inverter is taking the spotlight, and so nobody's thinking about Underworld Breach the way they are about Inverter. But um, but I I really – I mean, that card right away, as soon as everybody saw it, has to be thinking, mm. oh, this card's very highly likely to be banned. Just like there once upon a time. There was thought it was going to be banned day one. So, you know, um, but of course not. Uh Again, Graft Digger's Cage is really good against this because it says you can't cast spells from the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, uh, Lost Legacy seems pretty good against this. Yeah, um, you know there 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 are ways to deal with it. I really feel good about getting those copies of Lost Legacy when I did. <laughs> yeah, um, because that seems pretty good. Uh, that, that, and that's the thing. Like so, Demir Inverter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what do they call the the Lotus Field deck? What is it called? Lotus Breach because it's Lotus, Lotus Field Breach, and Underworld Breach. Right? Yeah, Lotus Breach, Demir Inverter. So guess what? If you target the thing like that is in the name of the deck, you might have a chance to win, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> <Sure>. like, so <laughs> if you take away Inverter, then they just have Demir. <laughs> If you take away the breach, they just have Lotus Field. So, yeah, Lost Legacy seems good. Uh, Slaughter Games not as good because it costs four. Yeah, that's the big thing right now. While you're but you can't counter it, you know. Yeah. So, so they could stick, for instance, with Slaughter Games. So if they stuck an inverter and then they did the thing, uh, then you could slaughter games and target the other piece. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, which isn't that bad. Uh, but you got to remember that it costs four. It's a lot. Um, yeah, and you're still facing a six-six flyer. You are, <laughs> you and that's kind sure of the are. thing. Like, I know this is a pattern with really any card over the course of Magic, right? You want to break the symmetry, or you know, you want to basically make the drawback work for you, right? You, the whole right. madness mechanic is like, oh, when you discard something, you get a benefit rather than. Uh, it being a bad thing, right? So you're putting cards in your deck where you're like, let me discard, you know? Um, you're trying to break that. You're you're trying to find the, the ways that that can benefit you. And the Inverter of Truth deck is essentially saying, this is the way to break Inverter of Truth. If we can find a card that lets us win the game when we have no library, it'll pair perfectly with this 6-6 flyer, right? So then we have a 6-6 flyer and another win condition, and that's essentially what we have here. So um, when Wizards designed Inverter of Truth however many years ago, you know, seven years ago or something, whenever the design was being submitted. Of course, somebody's like, all right, look, we've got a four mana, six, six flyer. Okay, what's the drawback? Well, you have to win quickly because you're all you have, you know, it, it shrinks your entire library to the, whatever the size of your graveyard was. Um, sounds like a fair drawback, right? <laughs> like, but now it's not a drawback. So, so right. you, you know, it's, uh, it's a powerful card. Um, and I think the Lotus Breach decks, yeah, without Underworld Breach, they were really annoying to play against. I mean, and it is just me. I thought they were annoying because I was just kind of like, oh, I'll play whatever, Mountain 1-drop, second Mountain 2-drop, and then wait 10 minutes for them to finish their third turn or whatever so that I could eventually play like a 3-drop and say go, you know, attack and say go. It was just really like, oh my gosh, your turns take forever with all this like, you know, cycle this, search for this, cycle this, draw some cards, untap all this stuff. You're just playing through your entire deck but not necessarily winning the game. I don't know if you're winning or not, you know, until the end of this unless it was just kind of Annoying, so I don't know if it was powerful. I'm sure it was, but I don't know about it being banned on power level 
I think I was like, I hope they ban something from this deck because it's really not you're not playing you know when they're taking all the game actions and you're taking none it's really just not not fun see also nexus of fate yeah uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, i will i will i have a thought about this and i will tell you after we're done recording okay um so um moving on i don't know anything about this sultai delirium deck except that it runs uh that one five four creature from um from like dragons or fate reforge right um, sorry. Sir, oh, you talk Okay, so is that the one you're talking? Hold on, Salt. Let me bring up the Salti Delirium deck in front of me because I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, I mean, it plays Euro. What do you? Is <laughs> what does card it not you, play that Surak or whatever? No, Surak is in like the the green beatdown decks. Oh, that's not Delirium. No, I don't know not nothing delirium. about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it plays Ishkana Graf Widow, if that's uh, exciting sure. for you. What uh, the no. hell is that? <laughs> but seriously, so the, the Sultai Delirium deck uh, won the entire event. Right. Uh, Joel Larson defeated Canister in the finals of Brussels, and it was with essentially his own brew of a Delirium deck. And I think there were some Golgari Delirium decks already floating around and you know doing decently in Pioneer. Um, when Euro was printed Euro Titan of Nature's Wrath not Nation's Wrath but Nature's Wrath um, when that card was printed it gave this deck a tool to to kind of uh, have a, a game ending threat that also advances the game plan that also puts you know a creature in the graveyard for the, the delirium so it fuels delirium um, and it just seemed like a perfect fit for these Golgari decks and so of course add the blue to the deck but if you look through uh, other than Euro the blue cards in the deck, uh, and of course this is another one that works perfectly with the, the strategy, Jace Vryn's Prodigy is great for discarding cards and putting and fueling Delirium, and that's it. So you play blue for Jace and for Euro. Uh, of course, this is, this is main deck. Um, and then you know out of the sideboard, you get like Disdainful Stroke and uh, you know, Hostage Taker technically is blue. Joel is playing Sultai Charm, which is cool. Like I, <laughs> I didn't even notice that until just now. Wow. Uh, just just one copy, but it's a card you don't see very often. Um, and then Mystical Dispute um, for you know additional blue cards. So just getting some more disruption. Uh, but looking at the main deck, you get Jace and you get Euro, and that's just perfect additions to the Delirium strategy and just getting being able to to take advantage of that. And you get you get the Emrakul, the Promised End, um, and then Nissa who shakes the world, and uh, Nissa who also ramps out Emrakul. So it's huh. kind of you don't even need to have the delirium, um, you know. You don't need to have a ton of card types in your graveyard. You can sometimes just get to a lot of mana with Nissa and cast an Emrakul. So this deck is is awesome. I love um, I love that this is in the format, and I think I, one thing that makes me excited is because I'm I'm kind of excited for Kenny because the, Kenny loves this kind of deck, and I know mm-hmm. he's excited about it. Like this to me, this is really similar to what he was playing with early in the format. Now, he wasn't going with Delirium, but he was playing like a Sultai mid-rangey control deck with Jace and, you know, Abrupt Decay and Fatal Push and, you know, Thoughtseize. And you get you get all that stuff. Uh, Tireless Tracker, Scavenging Ooze, all this stuff was was basically in that build. Um, and now you have kind of this with Euro and, uh, and some of the Delirium cards, it makes the deck, pushes it over the top enough to obviously take down a, a PT. So, yeah. so yeah, this is this is a player in the format now, and I know all the all the big names are talking about Inverter right now, but like, don't sleep on on Salty Delirium. I think uh, no. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I'm, let's see, how are we on time? We are. Oh, look at that! Pretty close to the end of the episode. Close, I want to make yeah. sure that um, that we're not it's missing anything. It's almost the end of the show. Sorry, are we going to do a song about fake blood now? Man, you are just the references. Is that is that a uh, you know? Syphilinolly. It's in what? Syphilinolly. No, see, I don't watch enough TV. Sorry, I don't get your references. That is like um, at this point, that's like almost a twenty-year-old reference. So I don't blame you. I like, never watched was... never watched that show at all. Um, so I, I don't know. But uh, this weekend we have we have Phoenix coming up, and so I'm kind of excited to see where we go from here. I do think Inverter is going to take the largest metagame share. I. Th- think to fight it we're going to see mono black still mono black aggro still being one of the biggest uh 
most popular tools to fight it, and mono red as well. Um, but now with Sultai Delirium taking down the entire event, I wouldn't be surprised to see a bunch of those decks in the field. Um, blue white seems to be a popular choice, like relatively popular. I think it was in the top three or top five in in Brussels. Um, I know I was just watching LSV stream. Well, it was a I guess he streamed it or no, it was just a video uh, on YouTube um, with blue white, and you know he seemed to be having a blast with it and. Uh, and so it seems like it's a, a deck that has a metagame share, but I just don't know where it fits. Like, I don't know if it's really good against some of these top decks. And so I just don't know if this is the time to be playing blue-white, at least the more traditional um, non-thirst-for-meaning versions of blue-white. But definitely check out the thirst-for-meaning version. I, I think that's kind of where where blue-white should be headed. Um, yeah. What, what are you headed or what are you thinking of playing in the next couple of weeks? Next couple of weeks, I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm cards are rolling in mm-hmm. um, from various places because I actually did like kind of really invest in Pioneer. You really um, have like you're like posting like here, just ordered this stuff, just ordered this stuff. Like every day, it's like posting in our Discord. Look what I I ordered. Like you I, really I made so many orders. So, like Cool Stuff Inc. does this um, ship it later thing, and right now I have eight ship it later orders. I think. Five of which are for under ten bucks. Because I keep thinking of a card, I'm like, oh, I should probably get that card. <laughs> and then I'm like, crap, I should get that card. I think I've done like two or three in a day, just because I keep forgetting right. that I wanted to add another card. But like, I got some Chandras, um, I got some Mutavolts, I got a set of Thought Seizes. I just ordered some stuff. Like I was like, yeah. all right, you know what? I'm gonna actually be playing this format. Um, let me let me invest in it a little bit because these cards will make like multiple decks better. Yeah, you know. So I was like, all right, Thoughtseize, in my opinion, is like the safest card um, <laughs> that you could ever invest in uh, in Magic. It, it, it was in Standard at the same time as Packrat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it didn't get banned then. So I think that like <laughs> it's like the safest investment because it it helps keep combo decks in check. Uh, it does a little bit of damage to you, so it's not very good against aggro decks. Um, I think it's a card that Wizards wants in their eternal formats. So I don't think you ever have to worry about Thoughtseize getting banned. So it's like, yes, okay, you spent like a hundred bucks on a play set of cards. That kind of sucks. But they will always be at least a hundred. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. like that's, I, I don't like, think Thoughtseize is really in danger of banning. I'm sure people have brought ever. it up as being too powerful, but I think it's powerful in a good way. Like, yes, it is extremely powerful for one mana and two life. Take any card out of your opponent's hand. But that's the kind of disruption you need to keep a check on the format, you know, to keep right. decks from getting out of hand. So I really right. think I agree with you. I mean – Thoughtsies seems super safe to me, unless they really want to change the way this format looks. Yeah, this, I mean, Ryan, when I talked to Ryan about it, Ryan was like, "Yeah, they like." The, he was, Ryan was the one who was like, "Yeah, Wizards really wants this in the format." You know what I mean? I was like, "Oh, I didn't think about it that way. Great." You know what I mean? And yeah. It made me feel good about spending the money because it's a lot of money, mm-hmm. and it's not money I come across all that easily. So I have to like really think if I'm going to put a hundred dollars down towards a place of cards, it better be worth it. Right. Um, and that was definitely worth it. But anyway, point being, uh, I'm putting I'm putting a collection together i'm not necessarily certain um about what i want to actually settle on as far as a deck goes you know but i'm putting the pieces together for several uh versions variations of red and black and red black and uh and the feather deck i'm actually looking at building as well um so there's a bunch of different ways i could go um like i said right now i really do like um, like a Rakdos version of the Chunky Red deck because I think Rakdos gives you access to like hard removal for things that you can't, you know, you can't deal four damage to a freaking Kalidus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like most of the time. So like it's frustrating and, and I always feel like, well, I don't want to just play this deck to get someone to five life before I hit a brick wall. The point is to get them to zero life, you know? Right. So, um, so I feel like the having access to black for some hard removal and then like, you know, you're not playing burn, you're playing more of like a, of like a mid rangey kind of deck. 
Um, so you do have like the the reach to like really get there and get them to zero life, even with those. You know, like, like I'm saying, like, the point I'm trying to make is like in a red burn deck, you can't play black removal. It just doesn't work. People have tried it many times. Well, yeah, work. you already have removal technically, but yeah, for the bigger the bigger creatures, that's the problem. Like, how many right. cards do you have to throw at a six six? You know, right? And and I do want to say real quick. So like. Um, that Annex card um, from Theros mm-hmm. really has shifted a lot of the uh, Rakdos, um, Rakdos Embercleave decks in standard mm-hmm. to mono red because it serves roughly the same purpose as um, what's it called? Uh, the dinosaur, the zombie dinosaur. Oh, oh rotting regisaur. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it serves roughly the same purpose as the regisaur, with the upside of helping you be resilient against uh, sweepers. Right. Which is awesome. Right. Oh my god, it's so nice having that ability. So, as far as standard goes, I am playing in like a, a fun. It's actually the world championship uh, watch uh, tournament. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's just a. Swiss rounds, no cut with like prizes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be watching the world championships. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So I'm actually going to play on that on the 15th, which is a Saturday. Um, and it's standard. So I'm actually going to be bringing the mono red Ember Cleave deck to that. So oh, sweet. that I do know, you know, that mm-hmm. I'm actually certain I'm set on that. That's what I want to play. It's the deck I'm having a lot of fun with on arena in like the brief times I get to play. I'm just cruising through people with this deck. Um, so that's definitely the plan for standard. Um, as far as modern it goes, like I said, again, still kind of up in the air. Yeah. I mean, um, same here. I've just, I haven't really looked at modern myself. Um, I did, I bought a few I mean, copies of modern. I'm sorry. I meant you, pioneer. You meant, Mo- oh, oh, pioneer yeah, yeah. is modern to me now because I will never <laughs> probably never play modern. Again. Um, <laughs> well on the topic of modern, I, yeah, I, I, the only thing that I've done for modern is I bought a few copies of Ox of Agonis for Dredge because I do like the Dredge deck in modern still and I still have all the pieces other than, you know, the Ox that is kind of showing up now. So I haven't played with it yet though. So I, I, we'll see. Uh, this is to be uh, to be determined as far as <laughs> our uh, exploration of modern going forward. For right now, it's just like all Pioneer and I, I'm playing I'm playing Blue-White Thirst deck a lot. Then I switch over to some version of the Red deck um and uh and as you saw this morning I was playing mono black now I I don't know like I I rented it from the card hoarder loan program which you know shout out right. to our sponsor card hoarder um and their loan program is just just awesome like I on the way to work I'm like I want to play mono black I'm just going to sign up for the loan program reactivate it again and uh and and rent a deck so that's what I did um I I'm trying to use that as a way to know like play this deck a bunch, see how it feels to me, whether it's powerful, whether I like it, um, because it looks appealing to me. I want to be able to tap a land that draws cards with Castle Lockthwain. I want to play, you know, something like like Rankle. I really just, I like that card, and I liked it in, when it was being uh, previewed, and so I thought, eh, this is the best Rankle deck out there. I want, to, I want to play it. So, And I really feel like right now, a lot of ways similar to Modern, is you need to be playing something like Linear and and powerful uh, and also be able to disrupt somebody. So pressure plus disruption, I think, is is the name of the game right now in Pioneer. And so um, that makes these these aggressive decks appealing to me. Now, like I mentioned, the the red decks, their disruption isn't hand disruption or counter spells. It's more like creature disruption, right? Like just clearing a creature out of the way uh, and and winning quickly. Um, but the black deck has the, the disruption in terms of hand disruption. And I think, you know, that's appealing to me right now. I'm just really on that kind of, um, in that kind of mindset right now. So that's, that's where I am. Uh, but, but I love this thirst control deck too. So yeah, we'll, we'll link all that in the show notes. Plus I think I'm going to build that SRAM, uh, Aura's deck. Right. Yeah. Cause I think it's like literally like a $20 deck, you know, it's like super cheap. To well, build. yeah, definitely worth it. If, uh, if it's that cheap, just, just grab it to, to play with and have fun with, even if it doesn't end up being like a big, uh, metagame player, but, um, we, SRAM has gone up in price. I'm sure. I mean, it has to do something, uh, after it win or after it does, does so well at an event. Made to the finals. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm kind of looking, 
It, it doesn't show up in on the main page of uh, MTG Goldfish yet, but I guess it's partly because like nobody's playing it, and then <laughs> these decks are listed in order of like their metagame share, so uh, not necessarily right. the most recent wins. Um, but yeah, we we didn't talk about that. I haven't really looked too much at it, but it's essentially a deck built around SRAM. Um, What's what's senior edificer? I think is what it's called, or senior art, yeah, artif- yeah. artificer, not edificer. Edificer. Edifice. No, edificer's right. Wow, I just thought that wasn't a word. Maybe it's not, <laughs> but it's on the card. So, <laughs> whatever. Um, so yeah, maybe uh, maybe we'll see more of that deck this weekend in Phoenix. But um, so I think we're gonna wrap up. I do want to do a quick. It's technically not a. Um, uh, whatever our, our <laughs> interplanar beacon segment is called. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not an interplanar beacon thing exactly, but uh, because I've mentioned them multiple times, Les Alex, host of the Control Freak podcast, had Philip Skornicki slash Skura slash Islands in Front on his podcast this past weekend uh, and talking about Blue White and Pioneer in general and this Thirst deck. So um, I'm like, most of the way through the episode. It's a really good interview, and I wanted to, to shout them out and also recommend it. So um, link to that in our show notes as well. So, so check out that uh, that episode with Alex and, and Skura uh, if you're looking for something to listen to. Uh, anything else you wanted to add, Joe? We'll see you in two weeks. We sure will. Um, <laughs> or we, you will hear us in two weeks. So that's, that's more accurate here. But we will see you. In two weeks. In two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, in two weeks, we're Yo MTG Taps. Make them have lost legacy. We are.